Hey friends, welcome to the Revelation Wellness Podcast. We're so excited that you've joined us today. My name is Tracy, and I am one of the team members that gets these episodes into your hands each week. Today we have a Revving the Word episode, and we're so excited to share it with you. But before we do, we want to tell you about an opportunity that we've put together for you. So maybe answer this question. Take a second and think. Do you love God and people, and yet you still find yourself in stuck thinking, stuck feeling, or saying and choosing things you know you don't want or you shouldn't? We have good news. The problem isn't you. The problem is unconscious habit loops that maybe you created before you had the mind of Christ. But even now, knowing you do have the mind of Christ, sometimes you still struggle. Life and its challenges can sneak up on us, and the environment we grew up in or currently find ourselves in can reinforce these habit loops unless something different happens. And the good news is we're not stuck. We can do something different. So we want to invite you to join Elisa Keaton, the founder of Revelation Wellness, for a free live webinar. We're going to work together to remove the shame surrounding habit loops and upgrade our thinking to be imitators of Christ. Here's some things we're going to talk about in this free webinar. We're going to learn what is a habit loop, how poor and positive habits get formed, what are cognitive resilience and cognitive dissidence, and how they help or hinder our habits. How does our environment play a role? What can we do to improve our internal and external environment? How our nervous system plays a role in a habit loop? And how to engage with God in our bodies to break a habit loop? We're going to talk about things we can do to partner with God in creating positive habit loops that lead to lasting change. If this sounds like something that you can relate to and you find yourself feeling stuck, will you join us this Friday, June 25th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our Breaking the Habit Loop webinar. The link is in the show notes. You can register today. And if you can't make it live, we'll send you the replay. We hope that you will join us to gather together and learn about how we can make lasting change together. We're never, ever stuck when we walk with Christ. There's always hope. So register today for the webinar. Again, it's June 25th. That's this coming Friday at 2 p.m. We hope to see you there, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Peace. Getting the playlist going in three, two, one, play. All right. Take a deep breath through your nose. Exhale through your mouth. Take another breath where you don't lift your shoulders towards your ears on the inhale. You actually expand your belly and heart. And then exhale. Blow it out. Become body present. Present in your body. Now go ahead and scan your environment. Look around. If you're outside, look around. Inside, look around. 
notice something you maybe have never noticed before. If you're inside, <laughs> might be a dust bunny. It's all right, don't judge it. Just notice it. And now let's pray. God, thank you that we are here. <laughs> we are here right now. That there is air in our breath, in our lungs. That the inhales and the exhales are coming. That we don't have to think about this, Lord. It's your grace on all mankind. So Lord, come and help us to understand your word. We need your help because your ways are higher than ours and your thoughts are higher than ours. And we want to be transformed. We do not want to be the same people in 40 minutes that we were when we pressed play. Thank you, God, that you don't see us as your project or your hobby. You're your beloveds, your children, that you love to spend time with. And God, I pray as we move our feet here, that you would do a deeper work with your word, that it would become part of us as close as our breath. Use our brain, design how you've designed it to work. Heal, in Jesus' name. Heal it so the neurons that fire and wire together build you up on the earth so that we can build one another up. Build our minds, the place of our consciousness, what we are thinking about to look like yours. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Holy Spirit. We honor you, God. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. In Jesus' name, the one who made this prayer possible, that we could come to you and converse and be taught by you. In his name we pray. Amen. All right. Continue in our sweaty Bible study of 1 Corinthians 14 today. 14 weeks, so proud of us. Not in a prideful way, but in a look at us, growing, being built up in the Word. We're not just picking and choosing, and I refuse to do it. We're gonna take the whole council of the Word of God, because it is God-breathed. The parts that we don't understand, we're not gonna just throw out. We're gonna let them sit in us and on us with some tension. And we're gonna remember that we are prone to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God is not waiting on us to know everything, what he does and why he does it in order to worship him. No, trust some things, 
some things are just because he said so. And some things, like today, we can ask questions of the texts and commentaries, and we can look more, more behind what's going on than just because I said so. We have to know our bend, everyone. I'm always telling you that. Do you, are you prone to stay more in the box, stay inside the lines? You're afraid of getting it wrong. You have, you have a fear of the Lord, but it's one that moves from your limbic brain. It's from trauma. We aware, that's all. Are you someone who's prone to make God to what you need him to be? so that you can do whatever you want to do. And remember, in the end, we all see in part. We're all groping our way. No one is giving you perfect theology. Not even me. So assume the best. And one day you will see completely face to face. You will know and be known. But right now, tension. So 1 Corinthians 14 is interesting because, or 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. Think of them like a sandwich. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul was talking about spiritual gifts. Kind of like, hey, all of you are going to be very unique. And God's going to give you a gift. And you can sharpen those gifts. And you can grow in those gifts. It's like a father saying, you're all going to be very different, but I love you each so much. So grow in your gifts. And that there's going to feel like a lot of diversity, but it all must work in one direction. That we're building each other up so we can build Christ here on earth. It talks about one body and many parts. But even with all these gifts, he goes even higher in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul starts talking about love. That you can have all these gifts, but if your motive, if what's behind your heart, or the motives of your heart isn't love, it's just noise. And Paul tells us what love is. That's the meat of the sandwich, all of our gifts. We must be operating in love, love for the body, love for God. Faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. Now in 1 Corinthians 14, he, he returns back to the gifts. Verse 1, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So Paul starts, he returns to talking about the gifts after, after putting the linchpin of this gifts and diversity thing into the equation, and that is love. Love plus gifts build up. Say that with me. Love plus my gift builds up. 
Remember, if I have the gift of prophecy, if I have the gift of teaching, if I have the gift of discernment, understanding, whatever gift I have, it's got to come from love, not fear. Love. Love is really bold and humble. Again, tension. And Paul began to talk about tongues versus prophecy. Yeah, I love it. And basically he's saying, I'd love it for you to speak in tongues. I love that you have that, that gift, but that is a gift that is self-edifying. Unless there's an interpreter present, it's not gonna build up the church. And when we talk about build up, that means in a public environment. If you are holding public worship, you're opening the doors for anyone to come in, then it is important that there be some order. And there is greater gifts. See, now some of us get real weird. Why would God make that greater? Paul's telling us that the gift of prophecy is greater than the gift of tongue because prophecy builds up. It can edify the unbeliever and the believer. Tongues will only build up the one who has it. It might be a sign to the unbeliever that something different is happening, but it will be offensive for some, and we know that to be true. <laughs> when I first heard and saw tongues, it confused me. What are they doing? It was a sign of the supernatural, but people who are searching if they walked into a room, a public worship, like church is on, and it was just chaos, it wouldn't build up. That's according to the word. I'm just going off of what the word says. It says in verse three, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speak to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Y'all want to know what prophecy looks like? Just for you today. Because there's going to be some people who say the gifts are no longer. I, I don't believe that's true. I believe if it's written in the Bible and it's something God wants to do, He still wants to do it today. I believe He still heals. Why? Because I've seen it. I believe he still speaks through man. Why? Because I've seen it. <laughs> that built, built me up. One who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Some of this is called a word of knowledge. And I'm gonna, here we go, you ready? I've had them. I've had the Lord say to me, especially to instructor training retreat, just give me a word for someone, like show me the pictures of them and letting them know, hey, 
I see you driving through a farm field with your head hanging out the window, your arm, your hair blowing in the wind, and you're with someone driving a truck. I think it's your father. And he's very pleased with you. Like it was an image. God talks to me in images. And that's just one of many. And when I've spoken that image over someone, it brought healing. Because one, it was a true picture for them. Their father was a farmer. I didn't know that. He had a truck and would drive them through. Like I read their mail. I didn't know. And it brought instant healing. It built the person up. If God sees you, he knows you. Now, whether you get a specific word like that, what you do with prophecy, build people up. You want to have this gift of prophecy? Start talking like God talks over people. We're not here to call out their shortcomings. We're to cover one another. Pray for them. But call out what isn't as if it was. You are a mighty entrepreneur. God is going to birth ideas through you like never before. Just speaking it. Now pray about it. Not every word needs to be spoken. But be a conduit. That's what God is Paul saying. Every gift, use it so that the church may be built up. Verse 12, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Strive to excel in building up the church. We're eager. Anyone raise your hand if you're eager. You want to see more God on the earth and you're inviting him to work through you. Say, God, I give you permission. Open your palms and receive the gift. Paul keeps saying, build up, build up, build up. Be a bodybuilder. Remember, it's really important too that you be sincere about it. Be sincere about building people up. Not because it's in, what's it, a trend. Jumping on the bandwagon. Be sincere about it. There's nothing more beautiful and eye-catching than people who shouldn't fit together do. People with different giftings, different stories 
There's nothing more beautiful. I, I tell you that because that is Revelation Wellness. We do not make sense to the fitness and wellness world. We got all shapes, all abilities, all ages, all backgrounds. Shoot. There's nothing more beautiful that when people who shouldn't fit together do. Build up. Verse 14, Paul says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Guys, this is actually scientifically been studied that when a person prays in tongues, their prefrontal medial cortex, the part of their brain for executive functioning, reasoning, teaching, understanding, it shuts down. It goes more dim. You know what lights up? Their amygdala. Fight, flight, freeze. And now some of you might go, well, see, that's why we shouldn't talk in tongues. What if God is using that to rehabilitate our amygdala? Because your amygdala is not broken. How it's been used and abused has been. When we pray in tongues, there's this reverse osmosis thing going on, this recycle. You stop being so in your head, and a lot of you like to be in your head because you like control. And when you come in your amygdala, you're like, it has to be in control. Well, that's the amygdala is there to keep you safe. And there's a place and a time for that. And Paul says to flee from sexual immorality, fight, flight, flee, get out. Don't sit around and reason, well, you know, they're really nice people and, oh, no. But you can do it in a way that leaves blessings in your wake. So what are we to do? Use both our spirit and our mind. Spirit and mind. That even when I pray in tongues, I'm not doing it to evacuate. I'm doing it to renew my mind, to give my prefrontal medial cortex a minute to reset, reset everyone, be built up. Verse 19, 
Nevertheless, in church, remember, in public worship, doors are open, pagans come on in, believers come on in, anyone come on in, because Jesus made a way for us to do that. In church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. This is why some gifts are greater than others. But don't neglect any of them. Because we're prone to go, well, if that one's greater, then I'm going to put all my attention there. How about you just lay your head back. Say, God, whatever you want to give me. And then exercise it. If you want, you feel, I think he wants to give me the gift of tongues so that I could build myself up in my prayer life. Start praying. Start practicing. Just speaking whatever comes out, whatever utterance or noise. Again, not in public worship for you. Go for it. But don't despise it because it's the lesser gift. But yes, lean into the greater gift that is prophecy. Tongues is a sign for unbelievers. Something's going on over there that's supernatural. But prophecy is a sign for the church, for believers and unbelievers. Tongues won't convict an unbeliever of their sin, of their need for God, or that God loves them and wants them. But prophecy, speaking life over them, if you get a word for them that would encourage them, speak it. Verse 24, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he, being the unbeliever, is convicted by all and he is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. I'm just going to make this bold prayer and declaration now. God, we're asking for the gift of prophecy since it's a greater gift, an ability for us to speak life and holy expectation over people, not to shame them or undress them, because there is no shaming us into freedom. There is no shaming us. You do not shame us into freedom. <laughs> you shine your light into our heart to say, come, I am what you've been looking for. 
We ask for the gifts, God, all the gifts, leaning into the greater to speak life over the earth, the people we encounter every day. May we start in our own homes. In Jesus' name, amen. So build up. Okay, here we go now. You ready? Now, Paul talks about orderly worship. Remember I said back in chapter 11, when we talked about head coverings in the Lord's Supper, Paul is speaking in to some cultural things happening, some bad table manners that are happening. And now, again, he does it now, talking about He's basically critiquing their Sunday service, saying, all right, here's what I'm hearing is happening. Um, so let me talk into this. That there is order for public worship when both believers and unbelievers are there. If tongues are spoken, only two to three in turn artists speak and there should be an interpreter this doesn't mean you can't pray privately in tongues but I'm just telling you what the scripture says because it says there in verse 28 if there's no one to interpret each of them keep silent in church public worship at the 9 a.m. and the 11 a.m. service and let them speak to himself and to God. Doesn't mean they can't speak in tongues, but it is not to distract from what is being taught. Verse 33, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Remember, these people were dividing, fracturing into sex. That's why Paul keeps saying, come back together. Honor one another in your gifts. Build up. Be built up. All right. Now, this is a fun one. In Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14, there is a verse in here that has been beaten over a lot of our heads. <laughs> Not all the time, but sometimes. When I say our heads, the women. Right here. Verse 33. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. The women should keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak but should be in submission as the law also says if there's anything they desire to learn let them ask their husbands at home for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church okay those are rough ones to hear <laughs> if you're a daughter Let's feel tight. Let's feel harsh. 
But friends here, again, I say to you, we can't, it can't mean for us today what it didn't mean for them then. And a lot of people read this and they go, and that's the word of God, right off the top. See, it's right there. But they don't do the deeper look at what's going on. What is the context? Why would Paul say these words after spending so much time <laughs> saying, build up, preach the gospel, build up, build up, one body, many parts, right? Look at the overall message. The overall message is everyone has importance. So some people with overactive limbic brains read this and go, see, women shut up. But when you look deeper at what's going on and read commentaries, because we weren't there, but again, it can't mean for us now what it didn't mean then. What was going on? This is why I would tell you when someone throws a Bible verse at you, Okay, thank you. I'm grateful you know the Word of God. Great. Do the study yourself. Lay down what you want the Word to say. But look at the whole counsel of God. And remember, there are cultural changes happening. We still don't wear headdresses. And some fundamentalists would say, well, we should be. Man, that'd be hard to work out in. <laughs> right? God is permissive in the growth of his people. He is not surprised by cell phones, yoga pants. It's a work to be done in our hearts still. The heart issue for me with my cell phone, the heart issue for me with when I get dressed, it's always, always, always a heart issue. And the heart of God let my people come to me so when we I'm gonna I'm gonna read straight from commentary this is from expositors commentary so it says whatever was going on in the worship gathering was bringing shame to the church some disgraceful things were happening in other words, whatever, oh, by the way, when it says women, that word is used in relationship to husbands and wives. So in other words, whatever the wives were speaking in public likely was in contradiction to what their husbands were saying. There was disrupting the order that Paul would expect to see within the marriage and in the home. Here's what's happening, guys. There are some women in the church who are married to their husbands. And in church, in public, they're trying to talk over the men. Come on. We see a lot of this happening right now. Again, if we don't know who we are, we will wield our gifts wrongly. So these wives were correcting their husbands in public. Y'all, you all know that is just 
awkward city. You ever been out on a date with friends and then they start to get in an argument and the woman talks, the man talks, and it, you're like, this does not feel honorable. I shouldn't be here right now. How can we bring peace to this quickly, right? I've been in places, public gatherings, and my husband says something that isn't true, like shares a memory, and he remembers it different than me, right? There would once be a time that I would correct him. What is that going to do? It causes confusion. So I let him have his memory. Then maybe later on in quiet at home, I go, hey, I remember that different than this. And sometimes it doesn't even matter. Do you want to be right or do you want relationship? Back to the commentary, Paul is saying, so if the wives have something to say, they might challenge their husbands. They should discuss it at home, not in the worshiping congregation. It's our last song together, guys. So when it says women should keep silent, it doesn't mean that they can't exercise their gifts. You guys, I've been given the gift of teaching. I've been given the gift of faith. I've been given the gift of healing. I, I have to exercise them. I hope there are places that will let me do that. I pray for that. I think it's what Christ wants. Remember, unbelievers will be attracted to God when they see, man, those people all fit together, honoring one another. They all shouldn't get along like that. Their marriages shouldn't be that great. They're so opposite, right? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Why, how come they can do that? That's a sign for unbelievers. When we are building one another up, Paul steps into a moment where some, some manners, some pleasantries are not going the way they should. We should remember, he's not saying women should never speak. These women, there were some women trying to exert their power, trying to take control. Remember, we learned back in 1 Corinthians 11, we are helpers. Don't despise your role. It's beautiful. And yes, we need men who are not threatened by the help of a woman, by the sight of a woman, who don't have to fear women, that they are not less because we are here. They will be more. <sighs> Commentator goes on to say, since both men and women could prophesy, it's not impossible that a husband and wife might say different or even contradictory things. And this would lead to an argument in front of the rest of the church, awkward. Or if when one prophet spoke, the others carefully weighed what was said. Once again, a husband and wife could end up in an open public disagreement as to the content of the prophecy. This Paul would consider disgraceful and it would damage the witness of the church to the culture around them. Y'all is a good word. 
this is just a good word for us husbands and wives y'all last night I I asked my husband if he would do something basically I asked him if he would stop putting his work bag like he's got all these bags from work stop putting them right in the hallway when we built this house we designed a locker room so like right when you come off the garage like a mud room put all your stuff there and it's just kind of like irritates me why does he put his bag here when we have this entire center <laughs> so last night I said to him hey Simon and in my mind I made the observation of I don't understand why your bags are here we have that could you please put your bags there when you come home from work we've lived in this house a year and a half I've never said those words Here's all I know. After I said it, and he moved his bags, he was in the pantry, and I could tell he was, something was wrong. I said, are you okay? And he said to me, sometimes you're just really rude. Sometimes you say things, but the way you say it, it's not kind. Oh, whew. And y'all, here's how I know my limbic system's been healed. It didn't offend me. I had to listen, I'm trying to hear what he said because I know in my heart, that is not how I meant it. I know that. I wasn't even mad about it. I was just trying to point out an, an interesting, well, why would we do that? And it may have been, I was asking the Lord. My husband is a very reasonable, smart man. And it is quite a reasonable observation. And he might have felt shame. Maybe. I don't know. But he received it in a way that I had to listen. And it doesn't matter if that's not how I meant it and he should thicken his skin. It hurt him. So that's on me. And I need God to do a work help me. Because the other thing is, he never complains. Like, he's not one to ever get emotional or to even talk about his feelings being hurt. Like, that is, whoa. For him to say that, I have to pay attention. So we thank you, God, that you are building us up as the family of God with husbands, as husbands and wives. You're building us up. Our children thank you God that there's no junior Holy Spirit we speak all the gifts that you want to give our children speak it into them God help us be a place where they're safe to exercise gifts and try new things out thank you God thank you that you are for us you're not against us that we don't pull out pieces of scripture to use it and to to protect our limbic brain, to protect our hurts or our fears. You just won't do it, God. And I say in this community, in this ministry, don't do it. Do the hard stuff with us, God, that we might be free. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And all things should be done decently and in order. And I'm going to add in honor. Let us honor one another, God. 
thank you. I pray you would keep doing a deep work for the places that we still feel the enemy is confusing us about your goodness, confusing us about honor and order, trying to, trying to keep us stuck where we are in Jesus' name. I pray that your love that chases out all fear and divides us, fear that divides us, God, that your love would wash over us, heal us, and bring us all the goodness of heaven here on earth through us. In Jesus' name, amen.